0: Father, we come before your Word for the purpose of learning. We want your Spirit to speak to us, to remind us. Father, yes, even to convict us, Father, of what it is that you would have for our daily life. Our nutritional need. And I pray that uh, as we look into your Word this morning, your Spirit will speak to our hearts to our minds, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to, I want to read to you some passages from the Old Testament that will sort of help us understand the parallelism that we want to present to you. Uh, Everything that you find uh, in the... um, time of the exodus and the time of the wandering in that desert for the Hebrews is, as I said, a parallelism of our Christian life. So we want to begin in Exodus chapter 16. And um, I, uh, if you, I know some of you like titles for your little notepads. It's just entitled, What Is It? And then uh, the answer right next to it, it's life. What is it? Well, it's life. What kind of life? What type of life is it that we strive to have, to live, to to walk in? Exodus chapter 16, we're going to read verses 4 and 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Verse 5. And it will come about on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Now jump down to verse 14. And we'll go up to verse 21. Verse 14. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man, as much as he should eat. You shall take one omer piece according to the number of the persons each of you has in his tent. And the sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he had gathered much, had no excess, and he who had gathered little, had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. And Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. So some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms, and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. And they gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Jump again to verse 23, and we'll go to 31. 23, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath, observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left over, put aside to To be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, and Moses had ordered, as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. And Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the fields. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day the Lord there will be none. And it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather but they, did, but they found none then the Lord said to Moses how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions see the Lord has given you the Sabbath therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day remain every man in his place let no man go out outside the place on the seventh day so the people rested on the seventh day And the house of Israel named it manna. And it was like uh, coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. Okay, now, if you would uh, just move over to the book of Numbers. You're in Exodus, you just go a couple of books there. Exodus, and uh, you go over to Numbers. And I want us to read in Numbers chapter 11, Okay. Numbers 11. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers 11. So what do we do with all of this manna? You know, you can't give a nutritional um, suggestion without giving at the end or at some point some recipes, right? Uh, you read books on nutrition and there's always the back is always full of recipes. What to do with it? Well, here we have a little bit of that. Numbers chapter 11, verses 7 through 9. Probably just through 8. But uh, uh, Numbers 11, verse 7. Now the manna was like coriander seed. And its appearance like that of uh, uh, the bilium the people would go about and gather it and grind it between two millstones and beat it in the mortar and boil it in pots and make cakes with it. And it taste was as the taste of cakes baked with oil. Alright, we'll leave that for the moment. Manna. It was the perfect food that God was providing for the Israelites while in the desert. They cried out to have something that they could live on and God said, I will give you manna. This perfect food meant that it held all the vitamins, all the proteins, all the enzymes, all the minerals, all the carbs that were necessary to sustain them. And it did so for 40 years in the wilderness. So what were they eating? Does the Bible ever tell us what it is that they were eating? Well, may I suggest that you look at Psalms. Psalm 78. We'll read from that a little bit. Hopefully by the time we're done this morning, you'll have all the answers for your next test on manna. Psalm 78. No reason to fail the test on manna next time. Psalm 78. People always laugh and I always say to them, Oh, there will be a test. There's always a test. Verse 70, uh, Chapter 78, Psalm 78, verses 23 through 25. 78, 23 to 25. It says there, Yet he commanded the clouds above... And opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down manna upon them to eat. And gave them food from heaven. Listen to verse 25. Man did eat the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. The bread of angels. There is a verse in the Bible which many, many of us know... We think it's in the New Testament. We know it has something to do with Jesus. And those of us who are perhaps a little more Bible friendly. Know that it has to do with the temptations. In which Jesus said to Satan. Man shall not... Not by bread alone, but by every word that comes out or proceeds from the mouth of God. You know that verse, but do you know it to be in the the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8? And you know what I'm going to say next. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because, you know, you need to know why Jesus said it and and what is its context. It it is uh, indeed very interesting. When you look at Deuteronomy um, chapter eight, so having arrived at Deuteronomy chapter eight, j- just this these verses alone are enough for us are enough for me to just stop right here and just share on these first three verses of uh, Deuteronomy eight. But we'll just read them and I trust that the Spirit will help you understand uh, what is there. Verse uh, Chapter 8, and we'll begin at verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God had led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I don't know if you realize what it's saying there, but God is, in some short phrases, basically saying, do what I told you. The only problem is, is you got to listen to what he told them. For them to know. you got to know what he said in order to do it. I'm sure you remember the days at home when the answer to your questions was, I didn't know. It's amazing how children forget. Mother comes home after a week and a half of being away. She goes through her list of what didn't get done. Mind you, she doesn't start with the, what got done. She usually starts with the, what didn't get done. And the answer that uh, all of her children give to her is, I didn't know. I didn't know. And what God is saying here is, Well, if you know, then you need to do them. And if you don't know, well then you need to find out what they are. Look at what it says in verse 3. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. One of the things we'll note as we go through this passage is that manna was not meant just to be a food. It was actually a means by which God was testing the people. Are you paying attention? The bottom line was, are you paying attention? There will be a test. Manna was not the answer. Now you have read, uh, uh, Mike read to us this morning out of the Gospel of John. and All we are going to highlight from there at this moment is in verse 35. In verse 48 of John 6, Jesus states... I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. In the context, he says, You think Moses gave you manna from heaven. But it was not. He tells him, It was the bread of angels that my father gave you. You want a sign from me? Because they're asking Jesus for a sign. They say, well... You know, we had this sign back in the old days, it was manna. And Jesus answers, you want a sign? Here's the sign. I am the bread of life. In verse 51 and 58, he states of himself that he is the living bread. In that passage, there are some confusing verses, especially... Uh, when it's time to uh, put them into action. In which Jesus speaks of uh, eating His flesh and drinking His blood. And oh my goodness, uh, it it even confused the people that heard it there. If you continue reading on in the passage, the Jews said, His own disciples, some of the disciples, some of His followers said, this is a hard thing. And they walked away. And this is when Jesus says to the disciples, I'm sure remember, will you go also? And they said, "No, no, where else are we going to know you? You have the words of life." And in that passage, this is what we find. The words that I speak unto you they are spirit. They are life. Listen to what he says. The words that I speak unto you they are spirit. And they are life. It was a metaphor. He, he wasn't saying we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. It wasn't about communion because he hadn't established communion yet. And it was a, it was a metaphor in regards to the symbolism of faith. To receive, to to embrace Christ was to uh, to take him on. That spiritual uh, interpretation. Not the literal, we have to eat him. Manna, what is it? All well, it was meant to be life. Even to them it was meant to be life. But certainly to us today, when we understand Jesus is the bread of life. Now he has come for you to understand the, the requirements of a holy life. He didn't come to judge you. He's still not here to judge you. He didn't come to judge the world. Yet. But it's come that we might have life. And in having life, we must know the rules, so that we can walk in that life. Often, when, when we hear of difficulties, of trials, situations that people are living, it, it doesn't take a great theological genius to figure out. It's because we're not walking by the word. We're not walking by the Word of God, and therefore, a lot of complications come about. So what is our perfect food? It's Scripture. It is through Scripture that we get to know God. As the Spirit of God teaches us how to walk. Amazingly, we will, time to time, listen to all this nutritional advice. And uh, we sometimes forget. That our eternal nutritional advice comes from the Word of God. I'm not going to question, because I don't know that I need to. But I will just simply state, you met Dave, uh, Scott Morgan. And I'm sure you, as much as I, was rather surprised to find out he was 69 years old. And now they credit, or he credits his health, his Not to his what he eats, because I saw what he ate. He wasn't all concerned about his nutrition, you know. But he says that he has cared to follow his God, and to obey his God, and to receive the blessings of God. Scripture is God's manna to us. Now may I say scripture is sufficient for every difficulty, for every problem, for every situation that comes into our lives. It gives us the ability to interpret the good, and it gives us the ability to interpret the difficulties. It's what it's meant to be. May I say it's not meant to just gather dust on your coffee table. I do realize, you know, that when a minister comes to the house we pull out the Bible. I actually know of a family among us, I'm not here right now, so stop looking about. I can tell when they bring out the Bible. They forget, you know, that you can tell. If, you just, if you're just a little, you can tell if it just got brought out because I came into the house. Come on, give me a break. That's not what it's for. It's not for you to try to, imp- it's for your health, it's for your nutritional, spiritual well-being. So we want to make a parallelism, a spiritual parallelism between manna and the Word of God. And see, what could we gather from the information that God gives to the Hebrews about manna, and since the, the real manna was Christ, and He said His words, our um, spirit and life, well then, what are we to do with those words? So, seven usages that uh, will be good to our heart. Number one, God's supernatural provision for man. That manna was God's supernatural. It rained bread from heaven, folks. I saw in the news last night, you guys, you, 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 you do your Skype news, you know or whatever the name of the newscaster is from your particular part of the world well i do msn you know american news well there was a truck a lorry may i correct myself <laughs> on one of the major highways two two humongous lorries had this big accident and both were carrying food already prepared food to be delivered, and uh, the, the the joke with the uh, reporter was how that they had to throw all it was i don 't know how many tons of food had to get thrown out it had to be thrown out because of this accident, and because of the sugar the, the the lard, the grease from the food or the prepared food, because they had to close the highway down for seven hours. Because it took them that long to wash all that sugar, and all that grease, and all that stuff off the pavement. And I thought, good night, and we stick that into our bodies, <laughs> you know? Alright. But it is a food that is supernatural. The Bible is supernatural. Manna was supernatural. The Bible is supernatural. Exodus 16 4 says, I will rain bread from heaven. I will br- rain bread from heaven. There was an evangelist um, at the end of the 19th century. His name is R.A. Torrey. R.A. Torrey uh, worked alongside of D.L. Moody. And he R.A. Torrey was his own evangelist. And you know, he was out doing an evangelistic campaign. And uh, on one of the occasions, it was a Sunday, and he was preaching. And um, uh, a man just began hackling him. You know, ah, it's a bunch of rubbish. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you're wasting your time. You're wasting our time. And he says, I'm an atheist, and I don't believe in any of that stuff you're saying. Finally, Ari Tori stopped and said to the man, Sir, he says, I I understand that you seem to think that atheism is an answer to your problem. He says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I believe it's the Word of God that's the answer to man's problems. So we'll meet up again here next Sunday. You bring some of your friends whose, whose lives have been touched and turned around because of atheism, and I'll bring a hundred people whose lives have been touched and turned because of the word of God. Well, the newspapers got a hold of that, you know, and uh, there was this challenge had been sent out, and and uh, there was uh, just reporters. No, no television in those days, unfortunately, and uh, you know, reporters showed up, you know, with the what was this 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 uh, um, challenge that Aritari had. You know, thrown out out there, and he began with his group, and had one person after another after another give testimony how the word of God had changed supernaturally their life. And after a dozen or so, he stopped and said, "You know, it's not fair. We need to give the atheists a, a chance to say something." So he got back on the he got back on the stand and said, "Where is my atheist friend in his group? Are they here?" And needless to say, there was no one out there, because it is supernatural. The word of God is to it's given supernaturally and it's meant to be a supernatural element. I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the things we learned in the pastor's study is that somewhere between thirty-five to forty authors, closer to forty authors, different authors, one thousand six hundred years one story. One story. One story of God's love to man, non-contradictory. And it, just, and it just chains up one after another after another. How can that be? Well, it was God's supernatural provision to you. So don't look at the Bible as a book of man. If you do, it's because no one has explained to you the miraculous means by which this book has come into our hands. Number two, as we look into that. He says to them in regards... To the manna in verse 4 of uh, Exodus 16 it says, Obey every principle. Basically, he says every precept. He says, Because, he says, I am testing you. Verse 4, I am testing them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. The Word of God is meant to see if we are willing to believe and obey God. You know, the Bible is meant for you to read. If you want to know who God is. Bottom line, folks, if you could care less who God is, then that's why you don't read it. Because it, it should energize your soul. In a moment of downness, it brings you up. In a moment of confusion, it clarifies your thoughts. And even at night when you can't sleep, it'll help you to fall asleep if you read all the list of names in the back. I mean, it is medicine for all reasons. Joshua one eight says that we are to meditate in the book day and night. And then will our ways prosper. That is what God means for the book to do in our lives. We are to obey every principle, every precept that is in it. And our ways will be well and we will prosper. Number three. It tells us. Through the parallelism of manna that you are to read it for yourself. You are to read it for yourself. Verse 16. They were to gather the manna, every man for himself. You had to gather the manna for yourself. No one could gather it for you. You have to read it. It's not, you know, we read it for you on Sunday and that's all it takes. You need to read it for yourself. You need to think in your heart that it is important enough for you to read it. It doesn't count that your wife reads it. It doesn't count that your husband reads it or that your parents read it or that your grandparents read it. It only counts if you read it. Because only then will you benefit from this nutrition into yourself. Number four. If you are to read it consistently. The manna was to be gathered consistently. In verse 20 it says that uh, if they if if they tried to leave it from one day to the next, it would gather worms. The manna would just sort of become foul and unedible. Don't gorge one day so as to not have to read for the next three or four days. You can't skip. You're to gather it Every day, consistently. Uh, You got uh, your days away, uh, ladies, or you have a a conference that you go to and you get a lot of the Word of God and you, you fill up, great. That doesn't mean now you can go a week without it because you've had enough of it. I remember a young lady soon after I came to know the Lord. She always told me about this incident that she had in her life uh, she was sick, she was in bed couldn't do anything and she would tell me about how she began to read the Bible you know, as her parents tried to encourage her and so I, she said, I began to read the Bible and, and oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it it was so much peace, I loved it the Bible was just, it was tremendous she says, that was about three years ago it just did so good for me you know what she was saying, that she read a lot of it. It did a lot of good, but she wasn't reading it anymore. But she would always remember how good it was then. Uh, try that. Try to, you know, work out your nutritional values, you know, once a month. See how that will work out for you. you now we complain if we don't get three meals a day. Number five, it does say to gather it daily. Morning by morning, verse 21. Every morning they went out. Early in the morning, the psalmist says, early in the morning will I seek thee. Well, you know what, however your schedule is, take time every day to read the Word of God. And if in the morning, why not? Before you go out to battle, before you go out to face the giants of that day, Let the word of God come into your soul day to day. Number six, you got to work it. And here's something that I want to stress. Did you realize that they would get the manna? They would gather the manna, but they couldn't just eat it. They had to work it. We read out of Numbers that uh, they did more than just gather it. They, uh, they grinded it, they beat it, they boiled it. In order to make cakes, in order to make it edible. 2 Timothy chapter 2 tells us, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. You need to study the Word of God. You need to love it enough to take time to study it. It's not just, you know, something that we grab as if it's going to uh, be some sort of good luck charm. I remember, my wife and I, when we lived in Uruguay, we would work the streets. We went door-to-door, we went to the corners, and we did all kinds of things. Of course, when you're working in the street, you get to meet a lot of types of people. That Finally, one day we sort of realized this one area was the way it was, because there was a brothel there. And uh, we didn't take as long to realize who were the customers and who were the workers, you know. So we began to give uh, uh, New Testaments, uh, uh, Gideon New Testaments, to uh, some of the women that were there. And we recognized one of them, one day in town, um, sort of ran, and, and uh, she recognized, so we began to talk to her, and I said, have you read the, that little New Testament that we gave you? She says, oh, I carry it in my bag. She had her purse, you know. She says, I carry it in my bag every day. Everywhere I go, I carry it there for good luck, so it can protect me. Really? Study it. Don't just hold on to it at home don 't just read a psalm so that you know it'll help you go to bed at night. Take time to study the Word of god don 't you want to know what God thinks about you don 't you want to know who God is? When I became a Christian when I was nineteen years old i was just I was just so in awe that God would save me i i, I just couldn't i i, I, I just couldn 't believe it and it didn 't take long i mean it took a day or two. When my friends, because I worked in this factory, there were believers there. And they said to me, you read the Bible and you'll get to know God. And I made that commitment right there and then. I said, I will spend the rest of my days reading this book. Studying this book. Because I want to know why this God would save me. Who is this God that would come down and save me? Do you treasure it? I ask you, do you treasure it? It's not a magic book. It says in the book of Acts, in regards to a group, a town, believers in a town called Berea. It says that these Bereans were more noble. It says... They received the Word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. You watch the God channel? Ah, Great! If it helps you, go for it. Do you go back to study what you heard to make sure that it was comparative with the Word of God? i tell you what, do you go home after Sunday and look to see if what I said was comparative to the Word of God? Or do you say, oh, we trust Raphael. Well, you shouldn't. I'm just as human as you are. You shouldn't. And shame on you if you're not keeping me checked. If you're not going home and reading to make sure that I'm not teaching heresy or or I'm going off the deep end. Because it happens. And as. Plenty of list of ministers who have gone off the deep end, and shame on their church, church for not standing up and saying you veered from the word. And I think it's because they don't study the word. Number seven and last, it's sufficient for their every deed. That manna kept them alive for forty years. As I said to you, it carried all the nutrition that uh, they needed. It, within itself, there was all the vitamins, the proteins, the enzymes, the minerals, the carbs that were necessary. It was sufficient. The Bible is sufficient for your totality of spiritual well-being. You will develop on the basis of your knowledge of the Word of God. See, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And when you say in your heart, I just don't have that much faith, then I say to you, go back and read your book a little more. Get to know your God a little more. Because faith isn't something you muster up by, you know, thinking real hard, or hoping real hard, or wishing real hard. Faith comes by you hearing what God has to say to you, and it isn't going to happen by osmosis. You can't stick it under your pillow, and it's just going to flow into your heart and mind. You have got to read it. I like what they say in Spanish. The kids, the university kids, always talk about their elbows. They say, "I got to go and nail my elbows," and what I mean by that is I got to go study. You know, crack the elbows down and. Get to work. Put yourself to the task of knowing the Word of God. I do hope, and I do mean it, that you are as excited about banqueting at the Word of God as you are on eating your Sunday meal. Some of us kind of think about that Sunday meal on Wednesday. We start planning, where are we going to eat that roast? Which restaurant are we going to visit? You know? How many of us are going out? And, and, and I mean, we make, we make an entire scene over that. Or... If you're on the other spectrum of the financial uh, budget, which Chinese restaurant are we going to this Sunday? You know, I mean, and you know them all. And you know exactly what you're going to order because you are used to that one place. You know, And if you get as excited about going out and banqueting on food, I trust that you are just as excited about studying the Word of God. Because this isn't about us trying to tell you what to do. I am not your Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit's got His hands full with me. I mean, you try to keep me in line. Ask Mary how difficult that is. You, you have to take it on to yourself. Well, I want to close with one verse. It's out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's that, ver- that one verse that reminds us all. It's God speaking to us through the Word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration. And it's profitable for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That the man, woman of God, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Properly prepared. Ready to tackle any situation. Ready to do any good work. What is the Bible to you? Is it really just a book? It is my manna. It is Christ's words to me. How to be a husband. How to be a father. How to be a neighbor, how to work, how to manage situations that are difficult, how to handle death in the family, how to handle financial stress, how to be a good friend. It's more than a good luck charm. So, next time you get into your nutritional kick, you know, or when you're getting those, uh, the, Uh, all fruits and vegetables, whatever you're doing for the week or, you know, um, prunes or whatever you think you need for your regulation. I hope you put that much thought into reading your Bible and studying it and saying, God, reveal yourself to me through it. It will keep you strong in faith. It will fill you with wisdom. And it will prosper you in all your ways. Let's stand as we pray.